0: Welcome to Table 5. I cannot believe I'm saying that. I'm Lindsay Luttrell, and this is the first episode of my podcast. I couldn't be more excited and nervous. So many emotions while embarking on this journey of the pod. I have had this idea in my head for over three years and just feel super fortunate that it's becoming a reality. If you are in my inner circle, you've heard me talk about this for way too long, So here it is. I met my first guest working as a producer on culinary competition shows where she is an all-star competitor and the most competitive and a judge. Fun fact, when I went to her house, extremely nervous to ask her if she would be my first table five guest, we ended up sitting in her living room, just gabbing away for hours. It wasn't until the last two minutes that I worked up the courage to actually ask her And I'm so glad I did because I had the best time doing this interview with her. This podcast was born out of my always wishing I could talk to these incredible chefs longer and about so much more than when I'm interviewing them on set. You know her from Top Chef, Guys Grocery Games, Chopped, Tournament of Champions, and so much more. She's a wonderful mother, a great friend, a cookbook author, and restaurateur. Please enjoy my chat with Chef Antonia Lafaso.
1: Okay. Are like phone laptops Yay,
0: Antonia! Yes. You're making table five a reality. <laughs> I'm so excited. First of all, I'm going to tell everyone how we met. Okay. I'm a producer on a culinary competition
1: show. And You're a you, producer on the culinary competition show. The one and the only. The
0: <laughs> And you are a, one of our celebrity chef judges yes. as well as an all-star chef competitor. One of the most competitive. I think we started around the same time and I remember being just like in awe of you and thought you were just the coolest and a little bit intimidated. Did we start at the same time?
1: I actually think you were a season before me. I just know that every time there was an option for you to interview me, I was just like, "Is Lindsay interviewing me. So that's the only part that I remember about like meeting you was just like, I don't want anyone else to interview me. You heard it
0: here, folks. (laughs) But yeah, we would always go into the hair and makeup trailer with Lisa and Leia Dempsey. And I would always like chat with you and hear you chatting with them. And just, yeah, I was intimidated. but I thought you were so cool.
1: That's always so strange to me when people say that. I mean, you must get that, no? People say that often, you know what I mean? Where they're just like, I just was so, and I was like, really? I just, I don't think that I'm, I mean, I hope that I don't make anybody feel like, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't think like, it's your like, making. I'm unappro- like, I'm like, unappro- like I'm like unapproachable or yeah. like, you know, or that like, because I'm like the first one that's like, let's do makeup karaoke. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, we just met, like, let's do. You know, a, a crazy TikTok video together.
0: I don't think you're doing anything. Right, right, right. I think okay, it's okay, like okay. you're smart, you're successful, you're funny, yeah. you're there because you're this all star, and yeah. so people are just like, "Oh, she's cool." Yeah. You're telling stories about your trips and where you've been and your daughter, and like whatever. I so share it's not too like, much
1: sometimes. <laughs> Never. I'm an overshower.
0: Never too much.
1: And honestly, like the Dempsey sisters, like actually, like um, I feel like bridge that. Oh yeah. Because I mean? people would come into the makeup trailer, we would all talk about things or laugh about things, yeah. and then that like moved into. Like you know, real friendships. Real real friendships. And that, I think, is always like the test of a good set. Like if there's good energy in the makeup trailer where everyone meets in the morning, you know, and everyone's like, um, you know, has their morning coffee. It's the first person you see in the morning. You're getting your update from like the producers. You're getting your hair and makeup done. Like if there's good energy in the makeup, you're like, this is a good show. This is a good show. This is going to be a good show. Exactly. So going back just a little bit, you were
0: born and raised in Long Island. Yeah. And then moved to LA.
1: Yes. I find it fitting to tell people where I'm from if it only fits the conversation, right? So if someone else is from Long Island, I'm like, I'm from Long Island. If someone's from LA, I'm like, I grew up in LA. He's like, you're Jewish? I'm like, I'm half Jewish. But yes, legitimately, I am from, I, grew, I was born in Long Island, New York. And then uh, I lived there till I was, well, actually, there was a little hiatus where we moved to Vegas for like three years. I lived in Vegas randomly for like three years when I was like five.
0: What? Vegas has a two night max for me.
1: Well, yes, my parents like loved it though. It was weird. My parents like somehow just like fell in love with like the desert and like pools and their houses and like you know this idea that you could have like this huge house and so I don't know they loved it. And so my dad was a crap dealer. And my mom was the or one of the original Caesar's Palace like cocktail waitresses with like the long extension oh, hair and the belt and the you know they would all stand out in front of Caesar's Palace and take their like annual picture like that was my mom. And so we That's had this like, random weird thing there. And then yeah, and so then we went back to New York. And then from New York, we moved here when I was 11. And then so technically I grew up, my formidable like teenage years were in Los Angeles. So I want to go back to you growing up in New York, but I also have a question about your
0: birthday was recently and someone posted... Like an Instagram that you shared, being like, even at whatever age, you always knew the hot spots, and I have to know what Antonio <laughs> was like as a teenager. So true. When your parents were like, Hey kid, you're eleven and we're moving to Los Angeles, California. Yeah. I would have been like, I'm gonna be a star. My parents love me and I'm gonna be a star. Like, well, were you excited? Do you even know what that meant?
1: No. I so my parents moved us all over. So even when we were in Long Island, we moved to like different houses, and we moved to Vegas, we lived in different houses, and then we moved to California, we moved in different houses. So it was never like I'm going to be I never thought it in a million years. Although, and I don't know if you know this about me, my mom wanted me to be famous when I was a kid. So, she put me in pageants. I was actually a pageant girl. Okay? And what? I will send I will I will show you my what is it like your one sheet that has you in like all these different like pictures. My mom changed didn't didn't legally change my name, but she gave me a stage name, which was Tony Lee Jordan. Okay. Shut it down. Swear to God. I'm dying. There's pictures of me. I, I was in jazz, tap and ballet. And then I was in like like not elocution classes. That's like when you learn how to speak. It's like you, I would learn how to like walk down a runway and give the like pose. I was really good though. Like I always like won. I won a lot of trophies. I was always um comfortable doing, you know what I mean? And so my mom's just like, of course you're a famous chef now because of the pageants. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's like the pageants. Of all it, the
0: things but- I thought potentially I could uncover in yeah. this interview today. That was not one of them. It yep. was not your yeah. pageant history. Yeah.
1: I have pictures that I'll give you. And there's a picture of me in like a full red sequence, like leotard with a red sequin hat that I had a full tap dance. Cause that was like my, You know, it's like, you've seen pageants, right? Like, like yeah. what's your talent? So my talent was singing and dancing. And so I had an entire choreographed routine to New York, New York in a top hat with like the cane, not a cane. Yeah, 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 it was like a baton, but a cane. Exactly, exactly. And um, yeah, and and I would do a tap dance song, sing along to Mm -hmm. New York, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is incredible. You have footage of that? <laughs> I will send you the footage. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing.
0: Well, I know what I'm teasing this podcast with. <laughs> so I obviously grew up in the South. That like New York Italianness like was not around. Right, right, right. And when I hear stories about people like, oh yeah, I mean the mailman would
1: come in and you're, you, my mom would be like, have some tomato sauce. Like, was that your life? I actually make that joke all the time, but I call him the cable man. Like, in my house if we were kids if you didn't offer someone food like right when they walked through the door it was just like you're grounded what kind of host are you so at a young age i would be like oh wait the cable guys here like we got to make him a sandwich you know my mom always had like 700 things in the refrigerator to make like a perfect italian sandwich or like reheat lasagna from last night or something like that yeah it was always feed someone if they walked into your house
0: did you live in a house with your nona
1: no, no, no. Well, my grandmother was like always around, you know what I mean? And we were always, and it's funny too, because my friends still say to this day, they're like, all we wanted to do was go to Antonia's house to, you know what I mean? And obviously like even as teenagers, you know, we would like smoke a little weed and like, we would come home and we'd all be like, oh, we're so hungry. And like, oh, my, we have Italian food everywhere. <laughs> and my mom would be making 17 gallons of sauce. And we had, there was, mind you, there was only four people that lived in my house. It was my me, my mom, my dad, and my brother. Okay. And We had two refrigerators. I was like, what do we need? Like, there were two refrigerators that were stocked at all times. And it was like, freezer was stocked, two refrigerators were stocked. So if you walked into my house at any given time, there was like a three course meal. My mom was really big on like a, we had breakfast and it was like oatmeal, like pancakes, uh, eggs, like an omelet or whatever she's made. Like there would be a multitude of things for breakfast. Just like on a Tuesday? Every day, every single day. And then dinner was a huge deal. There was always something for dinner. Um, Lunch, she was like, you're on your own, kid. It's so funny, so my sister,
0: when she was newly dating her now husband a million years ago, he like came home to my parents' house for like a holiday and eventually like looked at her and was like, are we going to have lunch? Yeah. And she was like, what? And he She's was like, are we, we going to have lunch? And she was like, oh, are you hungry? And he's like, yeah, I eat meals. Like, yeah. I have to have meals. Food. And my mom's like, oh, did he not get enough to eat? Because it's like, we would do breakfast, and then she has just dips out. Yeah. The southern way is, here's seven dips, and like, right. find your path at lunch. Right. And then dinner is a thing. And then right. at dinner, you're talking about breakfast the next yeah. day. But he was like, no, no, I need
1: like a meat and three. Yeah. Like, when are we and grabbing lunch? I had So my best friend, when we, like, and this was, I think I was like 12 years old, invited me over for dinner because my house, she was always at my house. And she's like, I want you to come to my house for dinner. I was like, cool. I go to our house for dinner. Nobody's home. So like her dad, her mom and dad were divorced. And so this is an like interesting thing of like, you know, parents being divorced and what that looks like and what that looks in different people's homes. So I had never seen that. And I went went into her house and so I was like, cool, like where's dinner? And she and she pulled out two hungry man dinners out of the freezer and she put them into the oven. I was like, wait, like we're not eating with like your mom and dad. Like this is like, like there's a brownie and like a, t- like it was weird to me. And so from that relationship my like best friend in the world I would we would have all these sleepovers all the time with like all of our girlfriends I would cook so we would make her dad take us to the supermarket and I would like cook all the things that I always saw my mom cooking so I would make like salad and roast chickens and like all this stuff what age is this at like twelve or thirteen, you know what I mean? Because I was like, we can't eat Hungry Man dinners. Like, I'm not even allowed to eat this. I remember eating it, being like, my mom's gonna be so mad that I ate a frozen meal. Like, You're like kn- don't tell my mom. Not that we snuck we out. Ne- not that we did yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But that I ate Hungry Man. Not that we stole your dad's car and drove to Denny's at two o'clock in the morning, which that may or may not be true. And like, no, it was like, do not tell my mom that like we didn't have dinner. Oh, my, my mom heart. will be so mad and not let me come back here.
0: Okay, so what were
1: you like as a team when I saw that Instagram? I had that to was know? a nightmare. I was a nightmare and i just like to apologize to my parents again (laughs) no you know i i grew up in the san fernando valley i i came from like a group of friends and for some reason i just didn't think like rules applied to anything sure um you know we my parents would be like hey by the way you can't go out and all of a sudden i would like just not come home until like one two o'clock in the morning i know i was bad i was bad we used to drive to mexico from because we in la Oh. San Diego's two hours away. At that time, you only needed your driver's license to cross the border. So at 16 years old, we would drive to, to Ensenada for the day and go hang out with Papa's beer and then drive home. And I'd be like, oh, I spent the night at my friend's house last night. I know. I tell my parents this story now and they're just like, you know, the, literally I was, like, two seconds away from being, like, an after-school special. Like, without question. <laughs> wait, so having a daughter, were you oh, ever freaked out? Petrified. Petrified. She's actually had to say to me, because you know Zaya. Yeah. Zaya's, like, straight arrow. I mean, cool. I mean, very so cool. Very cool, but you can tell r- cool. she respects you. But she respects me, and she doesn't do those things. And so, like, every once in a while, I'll be like, where are you she goes, I need you just to take a deep breath, because I am not you. Oh, I love her. do not. I'm not going to Mexico And telling you I'm not at a friend and I'm at a friend's house. And I was like, damn, way to like. Put me in my place. Call me out. So, yeah. So it's very, yeah. My mom used to always say that. I'd be like
0: mad about something or grounded. and she'd go, I cannot wait for you to have a daughter, just like you. And I'm like, I am like I can't have a child. Yeah. Like I'm so much trouble.
1: how about that? There's just also like there's there's karma in that, right? There's karma in that. You know, and so the Instagram post that you saw where a friend of mine was just like, and she always knew where to go. Yes. Is um, you know, it was me uh, with like all of my friends. I think we were like 17 or 18. We took a trip to New York, and I was like, everyone's like, How are we gonna get around? I was like, Guys, there's something called the subway, and I knew how to get there, and everyone was like, I had no, it was interesting. And I don't know if it had to do with the fact that like my parent, we always just moved and my parents didn't really helicopter me. And like, so I was always like kind of fending for myself. And so like when we got to New York, I was just like, fine, I will figure out how to get on the subway. I will ask someone, I will read a map. And so like, I didn't, have that fear if that made sense and so I was always like I'll figure it out I can figure it out I can do it and like I know where to go and so my friend Alana who posted that was like she always like knew where to go because I just you know we got there at like 18 I was like I heard that there's this club and so like I knew like all the clubs I knew like I know it was
0: crazy I mean I feel like you obviously being fearless then is like one thing because I feel like as kids we don't have no like fears or insecurities as much but like you've been fearless throughout I mean you've done
1: so much that I would consider being fearless my friend Lolly likes to describe me as the most down undown person she's ever met right I'm obsessed with that so yeah she's like you're the most down undown person i ever met so like example we're in the Bahamas and she's like we're gonna go scuba diving and I was like cool I'm gonna let's go scuba diving right and then I get into the water and I'm like freaking out and I'm like I can't breathe blah, blah blah she's like dude you wanted to go scuba diving in the Bahamas and so there's the point where it's like you know the, the button when you scuba dive and she's like Shh, it like lets out your air so no you I would sing. never go scuba diving but yeah correct so and so that's like the example of me being like yeah I'm so down to do it and then I get there and be like oh my god we're gonna die but then I still do it or you know what I mean and oh, so, so you did go I always go but I'm always just like, and now I'm going to be murdered or like this, like, you know, like if we go somewhere that just kind of looks sketchy, like there's been a couple places in Mexico or a couple places in Colombia where it's like, hmm, I don't know. This looks like I could be kidnapped and my this organs. This is where I die. This is where my organs are taken and I end up in a, you know, bathtub full of ice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I have those moments. I have those moments. So every single one of my friends will tell you like I am the most fearless but I'm like totally convinced that I'm going to be like kidnapped. My organs are going to be stolen or that I'm going to be poisoned at some point. Every
0: time. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Every time, I'm I'm constantly, my mom's like, you watch too much Dateline. And I'm like, yeah, I love Dateline, but I also live alone. And so now well, I'm
1: freaking out. And like in all seriousness, like I make jokes about it. Because yeah, have I seen every episode of Law & Order SVU? Without question. CSI, Criminal Minds. I don't want to be like melted and turned into a candle. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like real. But at the same time, it's like we're also women. And so like, I feel like men probably don't have those fears. No. Because the chances of them being like kidnapped and turned into a candle lesson as you know they're men you know i mean i have a greater chance of being kidnapped and turned into a candle
0: yeah i feel like my so i feel like my boyfriend looks scary just because of his beard totally like who's gonna go mess with him
1: without quite i would feel safer standing next to him exactly (laughs) because your boyfriend looks like a bear yeah he does
0: so tell me about when you started cooking like obviously with your family and whatever but what was your first job what made you think i'm actually gonna go be a chef
1: so my first so honestly cooking was like started in my friends like where i was like we're gonna make breakfast we're gonna like roast chickens so that was and I I, I tell this joke all the time because it's actually real My love of food was just all the time. So like, you know, my friend Layla at the time was just like, okay, we invited these boys over to like, you know, go swimming at my dad's pool, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna put together a hot dog bar. Do you know what I mean? And I was gonna, I'm gonna like, do you get, you know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna get all the condiments and like, we can have hot dogs and I'll grill. And she's like, okay, yeah, Antonia, that's kind of like not the point for like the boys coming over to the thing. I was like, yeah, 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 but like, we're gonna eat hot dogs. And so like, that was always my mindset. You're the only girl that age who's like, oh, we're gonna be in bathing suits. Let me put a hot dog bar together. Like I've never in my life
0: the insecurities I had at that age no, in a bathing suit. I had no insecurities about I it loved whatsoever. So much. Like yeah,
1: I was also like 125. <laughs> I was like. A- string bean. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, I didn't even care. And I was just like, yeah, put together a hot dog bar. And she was just like, you're a moron. And she was just the boys probably would have loved that. A hundred percent. And so they did, but she was kind of like, it's not the point, Antonia. I was like, okay, fine. Um, and so, and then my first job actually in, it was, I always gravitated towards food. So I was one of the girls who worked at Hot Dog and a Stick in the Sherman Oaks Galleria, which it does not get more valley than that. Like if you ever saw like, um, uh, not Valley Girl, um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And so like, that is the Sherman Oaks Galleria. And so that's essentially where I work. So if you ever saw Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the Sherman Oaks Galleria is the Galleria before it turned into the Galleria that it is now, which is, you know, boring and whatever. And so there was my, one of my friends, Solas, worked at Mrs. Fields Cookie. Um, my other friend Layla worked at The Gap and I worked at Hot Dog and a Stick and so hot dog on a stick if you've ever saw it, it was like corn dogs cheese dogs and we stomped lemonade and so I was like what if we took hot dogs and cut them up and like layered it with cheese and hot dog and you had a cheese hot dog on a stick and then I was like taking the corn meal and um you know just dropping the cornmeal into the fryer of uh, the the dough or uh, the batter excuse me and um and then dusting it with the sugar from the lemonade and so I was like making which I didn't know at the time were hush puppies essentially right. you know what I mean and so um yeah so that's kind of how I I just like always gravitated and then always worked in restaurants so then I was like a server I was a bartender not a bartender I was a server I was a host I was a manager and then it wasn't until I moved to New York and I was probably like 19 where I was in restaurants and I was like wow I wonder if I could do that I was in community college in New York and I was like oh I guess that's what you do you go to community college and you take your art history class until you find out what to do but in order to pay my bills I was working in restaurants so I would see all these chefs do these things and I was like oh I wonder if like that's a profession you have to remember this was 1998 so like who are the who are the you know chefs that you see it was like you know Bobby Flay Mario Batali Wolfgang Puck but it was that's all that's all you really saw and I was just like you know is that something like could I be a chef I worked for one woman chef for like 30 seconds and she was like yeah you just go to culinary school and I was like there's a school for it literally that was me wow yeah So did you go to culinary school? I did. I went to culinary school. I was trying to figure out at that time, because in the midst of all of that, then I met Zaya's dad. We had this like relationship. I ended up having Zaya very young. And I was like, but I still have this plan to go to culinary school. So I had just given birth to Zaya. And I was trying to find out like what school, I was like, I didn't let a second go by. Zaya was like three months old and I was already applying for schools. And we were in LA at the time. And I knew that I didn't want to go to Pasadena because I was just like, Pasadena just doesn't feel sexy. Like there's nothing (laughs) sexy about like a culinary school in Pasadena i mean other than the fact that julia child is from pasadena i'm gonna just throw that out there and we love her the love of your life the love of my life but you know but she also like didn't go to culinary school in pasadena she went to culinary school le cordon bleu in france yeah. so i made a phone call when i was in new york I, we were staying with dwight's parents and like visiting for a second and i called the French i saw a commercial for the french culinary institute now it's called like the international culinary academy or something and i saw a commercial for it and i just picked up the phone and i got someone on the phone and they were just like bobby flay went here And I was like, Bobby Flay, the chef from Mesa Grill, the man who decided that mango and strawberries should be in a salsa? Oh, my God oh my God, I have to go to the school. Literally, that's what I thought. It wasn't like Bobby Flay I saw on television or anything like that. It was just like everyone knew Mesa Grill. You know what I mean? Even then I was like a foodie and I knew. And I was just like, and I grew up in LA. And so salsa, like Mexican food. And that he had done this like crossover and he had done this like, not I don't like to use the word fusion because it's an awful word, but he had done this like, that style of food in higher end, which we hadn't seen. Right. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's like, oh, tacos are tacos. This is this. And he took all of those beautiful flavors and and made it into this beautiful sit-down restaurant. And so I was, like, enamored by that idea. Totally. And so when he – so as soon as I heard that Bobby Flay went to school, I was like, sold! I'm going. And so, like, I signed up and, like – and the crazy part is Dwight and I were actually living in California at the time. And he was just like, you're going to leave me to go to culinary school? And I was like, yeah, it's like nine months. And he was just like, and you're taking Zaya? And I was like, well, I could leave her with you if you want me to. Yeah, you can take Zaya. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you can take Zaya. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I was like, well, he's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I was like, your mom and dad are there. I'm going to like live with your mom and dad. I'm going to go to culinary school. They're going to help watch the Zaya at night. You know what I mean? And he was so upset. Like he was crying. Like he was just like, but I want my family to leave. And I was like, it's nine months. Like, you can stay with her. Or... You're like, I have a plan. Yeah, I was like, Give I have a plan. Boy. And I'm going. And he, and he respected that. He was just like, you know, but at the same time, it was also just like, I respect that. And of course, I want it for you. But at the same time, like, why are you leaving yeah. me? Was How old was Zaya when you left? Oh, she wasn't even a year old. Yeah. I started culinary school. Zaya was like, um, maybe like six months old. She was like a baby. There's a picture of me at my culinary graduation with like the tip to- and the neck and the thing and she's like on my hip. I have seen that picture. Yeah. I and love She's it. like on my hip like eating something.
0: Tell us who Dwight is. Obviously Zaya's dad. You were in a relationship with him but yes. tell me about that.
1: Um, so Zaya's dad was um, you know a famous entertainer. His name is Heavy D. We met when I was in New York um, in like the late 90s, like, almost 2000. Oh, no, excuse me. Zay was born in 2000. So, yeah, we met in, like, I think it was, like, 1997, if I'm not mistaken. It was, like, the most unexpected, like, meeting in my entire life. I was basically managing Justin's, which was Puff Daddy's restaurant. And he would just, like, always come in and, like, kind of tease me. And I had a big thing about, like, I'm not dating any person who, you know, it's, like, all these guys are just trying to, like, push up on you and whatever. And But he was, like, really sweet. And so one of the many times he'd come in, he – um he goes, okay, if you just say your phone number to me and I remember it, it means I can call you. And I swear, and I've never had this moment since in my life, I said, if I get, and it was like a brief, quick, I said, if I give this man my phone number right now, something will never be the same. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. full body And I was 12. like, and I, and I. and so I said it to him, I said it to him, and then of course he called me, but he was living in Los Angeles and I was in New York. And so we had this long, like, courtship via email, and oh my God, like dial up, dial up email and like those old phone calls where you would like fall asleep on the phone, you know, oh where God. you'd be on like a six hour phone call and like you, sl- you know what I mean? And yes. so, yeah. And so it was, and that's how our relationship started ever. I mean, most people don't even know either, you know, cause they don't really talk about it often Um, You know, it was also just, like, really hard the way that I lost him and, like, how I dove into work afterwards. And and I also just have this thing where it's, like, I keep my personal stuff, like, pretty personal. So I don't really, like, get into it all that often. And it's also more Zaya's story to tell than mine. Right. Um, But, yeah, he was more, like, I spent 10 years with him. We spent 10 years together. Which I always think about that now, like, and I say it, like, we live so many lifetimes in a lifetime. And I can't, sometimes I look back and I'm like, wow, that was one of my lifetimes that it was a totally different life that I live than I live now but the interesting thing was he was I he was the first one that was just like you are going to be such a great chef like what you do is so amazing like every morning we'd wake up he's like how come you don't have a cookbook yet he was like really 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 like you know he had a ton of anxiety and like you know super passionate and like so he'd wake up in the morning he'd be like okay so what are you doing to like you know be the best chef in the world and I was like whoa it's 6 30 like I'm still a line cook The interesting thing was um, it would be like he knew what it was like to be hyper successful Mm -hmm. at a very young age. And whenever he saw that there was a possibility for someone that he just crossed paths with, even for 30 seconds or who he lived with for 10 years, he would be like, if it's at all possible for you to live an extraordinary life, do it. And like, because he did and he, you know, and because his story, which is like so amazing is that, you know, his parents were immigrants from Jamaica. They left all their children in Jamaica to come here, you know, I mean legally to, you know, to like attain their citizenship. Then they brought their children over. So they were, their children were away from them for almost a year while they organized and set up here in the United States. Then they brought their children over, you know, his mom worked as a nurse. His dad worked, um, in like the film department at a, at a major motion picture, um, company and they live the american dream to right a certain, you know what i mean where it's like then their youngest child becomes like one of the largest hip-hop stars ever yeah and so um he always had this thing about him you know and the, the story of their history of their family is like so incredible right because it's like you know jamaican immigrants coming in yeah with very very little and then their son ends up being like you know one of the most influential like men in music and so it was always just this you have no idea antonia like anything is possible True. and I, I didn't really have anyone tell me that before I didn't really have a model for that before I mean my mom always did you know my dad yeah. was always my dad was always like work hard and my mom was just like you're a princess who the whole world is going you know it was like it was Tony, little, Lee Jordan. Tony Lee Jordan it was like a little it was a little <laughs> less tangible on my yeah, mom's so my totally. mom was like you know Disneyland unicorns rainbows like you know warlocks are real and right. so like that which didn't really make sense to me but like this man explaining to me that like this thing is possible, I never really like thought of before. Yeah. And so I think about that all the time because, you know, not all relationships are meant to be love stories. Right. It's been a hard conversation that I've had to have with Zaya because she's, you know, her thought is always just like, you know, you never dated anyone after my dad died because, you know, you, were, you that was the love of your life and, you know, then he died. And, you know, and I was like, and I let her have that story because I think it made her feel good. Sure. But in my mind, I was like, my relationship with him was so... Much more, actually. It was someone who taught me things about myself personally. Right. About who I could be, you know what I mean, as a a woman in career, a woman passionate about an art. You know, a woman sort of making her way, do you know what I mean, and doing everything to the highest part and having that recognition and having that success yeah and um and him wanting that for you him wanting that for me and him being like that's actually attainable I don't know if anyone's ever told you that but like you being at the top of your game and doing this to like the highest of capabilities is actually possible and so so like yeah it was a really and so that our friendship and that mentorship was actually the most important part along with obviously I have a child. Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? But, like, personally, between him and I, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know, in my mind, I was so young and I was just like, but, like, let's get married and, like, you know what I mean? And and, and that was, you know, it was a struggle that we had, but then looking back at it now as a 45-year-old woman, I was like, it was one of the most important relationships I've ever had. Totally. Yeah. That had nothing to do with, like, me being in love with you or spending my life with you. Right. Like we're, we think of those things so much. Yeah. You know, know. and as they got older, it was a very hard conversation to have with her, but I also think a really important one because I look at my life and this is an unpopular statement that I think mothers make. And I think some feel it more than they do, but being a mother would never have been enough for me. I think that's fair. I think, and I don't think enough people say it out loud. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think I think there's a lot of women struggling out there as their children get older, and they see what other women are doing and what's what was possible and an accomplishment. You know, and I struggle with that idea, too, because I also think, like, you know, the core of a household is important, you right. know, and having a parent home to raise their children is important. If I ever wrote a children's book, my children's book would read like Mommy Was Never Home. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Glad you made it.
0: I saw Mommy when I went to her office. my mom you know has always said to me like always encouraged you know never made me feel behind because i'm from the south and not married by a certain age and don't have children or haven't had a normal career path or whatever it is and even if i've gotten caught up in that before she's like no one told me i could graduate college and go do something else so I mean, go with that. Like, do your thing. And I think that's so important. It
1: is. But the other part to it, too, is now I'm 45 years old. And, like, all I want is partnership. All I want is to be in a relationship with a man and, like, share my life with someone because I have all the things. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've accomplished the things. and, and, And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, great. Hold on a second. I've accomplished the things. But if I have no one to come home to at night and, like, tell them about what I did, like... Did it even happen?
0: Yeah, but you're 45, not
1: 96. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. So okay. he's still out there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I just... My friends that, too, were like, there's a blessing and a curse and, like, not getting married when you're younger and waiting till you're older because it's like the blessing is like you're so young you don't have to like worry about figuring it all out you do it together and then at this age now it's like I have a fabulous life yeah I'm financially independent I have this I have that whatever it's all great you have to bring a lot to the table now
1: to make me be like oh yeah we should do life together or how about this though like but the other thing is too like you know I mean hashtag science our bodies are meant to have babies young yeah. I could not imagine having a baby in my 40s, you know what I mean, and making that choice. Right. Having a baby at 22 22- the easiest thing in the world. Totally. Like, dropped, you know what I mean? Like, you know, here she is. There she is. That was easy, you know? And now, now I'm you, gonna go to culinary school. Yeah, I'm gonna go to culinary school and I don't need to sleep because I have all the energy in the world because I'm 23 years old. You know what I mean? And I can work two jobs and raise a child and, like, you know what I mean? But at the same yes. time, I also don't even have the sage wise advice of an older woman to raise a younger, you know what I mean? So, like, Zay and I grew up a lot together. So, again, like, the yin and the yang that, I don't know what's better. I have yeah. no idea because I only, I, and I would not have changed anything that I did for all the money in the world. Totally. It was perfect exactly there it was. The good, the bad, the ugly. I didn't know what I was missing. I didn't know what it felt to sleep in and to have a leisure morning of pancakes and coffee. Totally. Or to like be able to go to Europe for three weeks without children. I didn't know any of that because yeah. I was a kid. So I never thought I was missing anything. Yeah. Do you know? Whereas like all these other people who have children later, they have all these full lives and then all of a sudden they have kids and they're like, my life is over. Yeah. I'm like, it totally is. That's my twin sister had kids
0: very young as well. And then my older sister was in her 30s, and we always say that she's like, "Why did Lauren make it look so easy?" I'm like, "She didn't have a clue. You yeah, lived in New do. York City yeah. mm-hmm. before having children. You were out brunching and like doing this and going out. Like yeah. Lauren didn't know either. She grew up with her first
1: child, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, it's just- and how about this? I'm 45. I'm like, my daughter's 21. Yeah, and so like all the all the people that my age they're like, "Oh my God, you're so young and you can do all these things." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and your daughter's cool. So you're like she's hanging right. out with your cool she's daughter great. now too. Exactly, exactly. I love it. I mean, I'm assuming that's, she reminds you of him all the time. She oh has my God. Yeah. She looks
1: like him. She's in music. Totally. And if anyone's in therapy, everyone like knows it's like not, it's like, it's a weird thing because, you know, I have my own personal history with him. That's like good and bad. Yeah. Obviously that's hurt, you know, but there's some times where I'm just like, like all the most beautiful things that your dad gave you, like are in you, and I love them and cherish them. And then all of the things that made me want to kill him, ninety percent of the times you do too, and will forever. <laughs> Which is so funny and so. So it's true. like you can't ever get away from your ex, yeah, because he lives inside of your child. I actually just told my best friend has three kids
0: who look. Just like her husband. Yeah. In fact, she just had a baby and she's like, spoiler alert, he looks just like Eric. And I was laughing. I'm like, you know you can never get a divorce from Eric now because yeah. you will end up like not like your kid. Well, it's probably. weird because
1: it's not like it's it's obviously like she she looks just like him sometimes and then looks just like me sometimes. But she'll do stuff like he used to do this thing where he would like come into the kitchen, open cabinets, take things out of them, and then like not close the cabinet, which is strange to me because I'm like, hey, like the first thing you learn when you're a kid is you open the cabinet and then you close the cabinet. And so it's like this whole thing. So it would look like remember in Poltergeist when yes. like you walk into the kitchen and all the drawers were open I was like have we been robbed or is there like a ghost in my kitchen and it's like no Dwight was just in the kitchen he was just Zaya you a of does that Zaya does that where I'm just like how do you even pass that on through DNA like, how is that even transmissible?
0: You mentioned Dwight's passing. Mm-hmm. So how long ago was that? And in-
1: uh, Yeah, so, so we lost A's his dad. We lost Dwight in 2011. It was actually right after I had just opened Black Market. I opened Black Market in July, and he died in November. I know, it was crazy. Um, and you know, he died of a pulmonary embolism, so it was super sudden. Um, we had only been separated for, like, I think a couple months. Oh. Um, yeah, it was really um, – it was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do um, – you know, it was Telzea. It, it was like, it was just the most like insane. Thing. Oh, to tell Zaya. Yeah, to Telzea. Because mm. th- that's what people don't actually, it's sort of like the operation of what that day looks like. Right. And like when it changes. And it's almost like, you know, we, her and I have two stories. We have like before him and after him, you know, and our lives are so different, the, the before and then the after. But I just remember in that moment where I was just like, I walked out of Cedars and I, I wanted to go to Cedars first to see him because I actually didn't believe it. I was just like, but I just talked to him like literally 20 minutes ago I had just talked to me asked me to bring him orange juice oh. and I said no and um I know it was I'm still like upset you know but I mean sure. it is but you can't is. go down that road. No, yeah. I was like I have to go to work and I told you to go to the doctor and you know I had to get him orange juice and um he and then he he died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and so I, I needed to go to the hospital like I needed to see him first yeah. like I couldn't do that without before I went to told Isaiah it was like a whole thing and so I went there, and then you know I, I knew the head of Cedars because our kids went to school together. I actually asked him to drive me to tell Zaya because I was like, I couldn't be with my parents. Like everyone was just so, um, like like uh, like chaotic. That's, right. That's how, I, I just felt like everyone was so chaotic, and all I kept thinking about like there there I have these things that I have to do, you know. Right. And um you don't get to be chaotic yet. I don't get to be chaotic yet. And so I went. I went to the, um, to the school and like the vice principal like met me in the parking lot and like walked me up some secret entrance and the principal sat me down and she's like, I'm gonna explain to you how to do this. And she said, because I want you to understand that this isn't the first time we've had to do this. oh And she was just like, it was insane. And she was like, um, she's gonna come in here and you're gonna have to say it very quickly. And you're gonna have to, you're actually gonna have to say the words, your dad is dead. Because there can't be any confusion in this moment, and he goes, and then you're just gonna grab her and you're gonna hold onto her, and she's gonna try and pull away from you, and she's gonna start crying, and she's gonna try and pull away from you, and don't let her pull away from you, just hold her. <sighs> oh my god. And so um, I did, a, I, and and I still to this day can't. I am so grateful for this community that yeah. she was in school with, and these people that ushered me through, which was one of the most like horrendous processes, you know, that I ever like how to do and then um yeah and then it was just it was it was just like this big fog for like months i'm after. sure yeah Where like i would i would be in supermarkets and people were like have a great day and i'd be like wow that was weird like like don't you know like
0: i can't have a great yeah day like it.
1: literally i was like don't you know like if I, I wouldn't say it but i would just be like my i was so fogged over it was really it was a very surreal surreal time yeah um and then it was interesting, Zaya wrote her admissions essay because um, I was like, you're still gonna do all of your stuff to get into the next thing of school. I'm not gonna stop any part of your life. We're gonna just keep moving, keep moving, keep Cause moving. Cause how old was she? She was in the sixth grade, she was 11. Okay. And so at that point, like she was graduating in June and we had to start applying for secondary schools. And I was like, I'm not gonna not have her go through the process, like let's just keep moving. And um, she wrote this incredible essay and it, and it was entitled Don't Shoot the Messenger, I know. Oh my and gosh! She wrote, like full body chills. She, but she didn't write about her dad. She wrote about me and her, and and she's an incredible writer. Like in gen- in general, she is like an incredible writer. But it was um yeah. Still to this day, I'm like yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was 11, and the title of the thing was like "Don't Shoot the Messenger," and I was like, oh my god.
0: She got it at that age. She it's got crazy. it at that age. It was crazy. Okay, so you did become a chef. Yes. And now you have three restaurants. So what was your first restaurant? What did you learn from that? How did you end up coming into this empire? Like you're saying, like yeah. you were in culinary school being like, will I even be good at this? And now you have three restaurants in one of the largest markets in yeah. the
1: world. So the very first restaurant I ever opened was Foxtail, which was, I worked for SBE, and I was young and honestly shouldn't have even been put in that position. It was the first time I ever did Top Chef. I did really well on Top Chef, and the company wanted to really capitalize on it. So what was supposed to just be a bar with some food ends up turning into a full-fledged restaurant. And I was in no way, shape, or form prepared to even do this. The Operationally, the restaurant wasn't set up to be a restaurant. It was set up to be like, you know, a nightclub with food. And so it was a huge failure. Like... Emotionally, physically, I was in rooms with people who just, in my, in my gut, because I worked for Wolfgang Puck for so long, I knew it didn't feel right, Mm -hmm. and like from an intuition standpoint, I was like, this doesn't really work, this isn't right, this doesn't make sense, and so I kept being told over and over again by people who, you know, I felt at the time were so much smarter than I was and that they knew what they were doing and I just kind of needed to go along with it and I ended up doing it and it ended up being a shit show and so but the insanity behind it is and honestly when the restaurant closed I got fired uh, there was so much PR that went against the restaurant where they were just like she's a hack she doesn't know what she's doing so it, was, oh. it was awful it was awful I actually almost stopped cooking I almost stopped cooking because I was, like, so beaten down. and I Because like, you were on this, like, top chef high. I was on this other, top like, chef high, and it was like, see, she has no idea what she's doing. And, you know, and it was just a really, um, like, it was an awful experience. And so, but what I learned from that experience is, like, how about this? Speak up. Two, your intuition is right. Um, and I ended up meeting Pablo Moy, my now business partner, who was mm-hmm. a bar back at the restaurant at what? that time. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. And so when people say, like, oh, my God, uh, when people, like, use the, the, you know, the very vast you know, statement of like everything happens for a reason. No, like it really does. And so, and I'd like to talk more about like my failures than my successes because the failures are what, you know, it's never. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. You know what I mean? It's, it's mostly like I'm punched in the face 90% of the time. Right. And so like, how do you get back up? How do you do the thing? And so I stopped cooking for a while. And then I started working for Eddie Murphy as like, because Dwight at the time I was like really depressed, like depressed, like I had a severance for like six months and I was just kind of like going to the gym, you know, and crying at night and oh. just like I was so upset. And Dwight pulled me aside one day and he was just like, "You need to start cooking again. You're a nightmare right now." He's like, "Because you're not doing the thing that you love." Right. And he's like, "Let me call Eddie Murphy. He, I think he's looking for a chef. Do you want to like work a couple days up there with him?" I went up there and started working for him and they were just like, we love you. Can you come on full time? And so I was able to like build these meals for this family that were so amazing, so appreciative. And they, all they wanted was like good food. And so I like, I pulled out my Martha Stewart cookbooks and would make like seven cakes in a day. Oh my and just, gosh. So I just got back into the craft of like why I love to do this thing. And, um, and then Pablo called me, I was like shopping for Eddie Murphy and, uh, he goes, you know, he talks really fast. He's like, okay, ale. So, um, you know, there's this great place and these guys and they have money and they wanted to, thing, and, and you should meet them. And I was like, just to get off the phone with you, Pablo, like I'll meet them. <laughs> and so I then met them for black market. They had no idea who I was. They didn't care. They were like two guys from New York that were like, we have some money. We have this idea. We want Pablo to do the drinks. And he said like, you're a really good chef. I gave them some like Atlanta, like this absurd number for co- consulting. I'd be like, I'll set up the the kitchen. I'll hire your people. But I'm out in three months, you know? And they told Pablo, they're like, that's insane. That's too much money. And Pablo said to them, I guarantee you, you spend this money. And after three months, he goes, I'm going to pay her salary. So basically along the lines of like, you're going to have to give it back to me double when you see what she does. Do you know what I mean? So we're like, I'm going to make some money off this. After like a month of the opening, and it was like perfect. And they left me alone, and they let me just do my thing. And like, they didn't, they were like, they took my lead. And they were just like... You know, they were, like, young entrepreneurs and and, uh, restaurateurs at the time. So, But they were all just, like, we'll figure this out together. And it was a very safe, like, collaborative experience where they were, like, no, we want you to do the thing that you want to do. And so, like, after a month, they were just, like, okay, how do we pay you to be on full time? Like, what percentage of the business do you want? Like, we want to build other restaurants with you. We don't want you to go anywhere. And so at that point, like, we negotiated in, like, a year. um, You know, and they paid me a big salary. And then within a year, I quit. Eddie Murphy but for a while because at that point Dwight had died like two months after Black Market opened so it was like right like oh no no not two months uh we opened Black Market in June and then Dwight died in November so Mm. it was like an insane year but I knew that I was going to stay with them but we were like you know obviously going through all this like insanity and all this craziness but I didn't give up my job at Eddie Murphy's because you know, there was no life insurance, there was nothing. And so I was kind of left like, oh my God, how do I pay for Zaya's, you know, she was in private school at the time. Right. And like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm privileged enough to be able to, I was trying to keep her in that, especially for her education. Right. You know what I mean? And so I would get up in the morning, I would shop for Eddie Murphy, I would go work for him all day, and then I would leave at four o'clock and then go to the restaurant and then expedite the line till 10 o'clock at night. And I did that six days a week. To hold on to my salary there and because I was just trying to like make as much money as I could because I was like I'm by myself now.
0: Well, and it's like, will this how long is the restaurant gonna last? Who Correct. Knows? And who like,
1: knows? And yeah, exactly. And I was like, I don't want to give up this job where it's a salary that I you know to this day for the record, they still ask me to come cook up there. I was no, like, I can't I love I like, it. I love you guys. Have and you I can't gone back ever? Been no, like- like- but like his his uh his uh cousin texts me all the time and it's like really sweet. That's so funny. You should go one night like moonlight. <laughs> oh, all his kids, the best part is like all his kids come to my restaurants. I love it. They're all a black market, like um his his daughter shane actually goes to and they live like you know way in beverly hills drives to scopa for my pasta i love Cause it because she's just like i still get to eat your food and i'm like you're the sweetest well it's so
0: funny because now it's like i didn't i don't even think i knew until i started to really like work with you i don't i didn't even know that black market was yours and yeah. you've
1: had it now for 10 years right black market just celebrated 10 years scopa eight. just eight and then dama three That's i know and in los angeles because you like you're saying is a major market That's like having a dog that lives to be 105. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Like Literally, it's unheard. Yeah. If any restaurant makes it past like year five, it's like, you know, so the fact that we're on schedule to have that for all three, like when we opened Dama, I was like, Maybe this will be the place that shows everyone that I'm an actual hack and I don't know really what I'm doing. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? And so it's, I still have those moments all the time. Like people are like, oh, you must, this must be so easy. And I was like, every time I open a restaurant, yeah, I am nauseous. I vomit in the shower. I like eat nothing but glazed donuts and I try and I drink, I wear like compression leggings. I look like a psycho.
0: Compression? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: because I'm like on my feet all day and I'm like old. I'm 45. So I'm like, I need my compression leggings while I eat my glazed donut after I've vomited in the shower. So when Dama opened, I was just like, this is going to be the time that this is not going to work, you know, because it's like you have black market and it does like phenomenal. Then you have Scopa and it like does phenomenal. And it's like, well, let's see if we can get Dama. I mean, you just, you know what I mean? And I was just like, I mean, three for three.
0: I walk into Dama and I'm like... This is the most beautiful place.
1: Oh, that's Mario and Carolina. I'm just like yeah. I want
0: to sit at this bar and eat whatever they put in front of me and drink whatever they put in front of me and just sit here like the the wallpaper, the tile, the tables, yeah. the bar. I mean, I've gone to Scope over so many. I mean, my birthday last yes. year, I take my parents when they're in <laughs> town. Like it's like one of my favorites. But what is your like? They're both. They're all three so different. How do you oh, keep it like, through ask, line? I was like, you
1: can't ask me which is my favorite. No, not okay, your okay. favorite. Whew. That
0: would be like. I mean, Asking thank God you only have one child.
1: Thank God I, I get away with it all the time. Like when you know, when they're like, you know, you have a favorite kid, and my dad. And I look at my dad, I'm like, I know I'm your favorite, you know? Well, yeah,
0: I mean, you are your dad's favorite, right? Every time you talk about your dad, it reminds me of me and my dad because I'm just like, I'm such a daddy's girl. He's a woodworker as well for his hobby. He's always like, I mean, he taught me all the things and he's always there for me and he's who I call if I'm like, okay, well, this is not going well. Every time I've been in this house, you're like, my dad did this, my dad did that, just now. You're like, my dad came over and decorated for Christmas. He did.
1: You know, he has set a standard so high for... Um, like what a relationship is with, like my first male relationship, you know, and my brothers too. Um, you know, I have two brothers and I just think like the standard is set so high with the way that he's treated me and the way that he's treated like our family and, and he's just so helpful and just so like, all he wants to do is like help his children and like do, you know what I mean? And so it's a very, and he, I grew up, you know, in a household where he would be like, I'm going to show you how to do all these things. Like, I'm going to show you how to pump gas and I'm going to show you how to change your tire. He goes, but just so with a clear, like whatever man you're dating should change your tire and should pump your gas. You know what I mean? I, I remember that. the very first time I went on a date and I was probably like 15 and my boyfriend was 16 at the time and he had this amazing like Mustang and we were sitting on the couch and he's like, oh, Darren's coming to pick you up. And I was like, yeah. And it was weird because I was never intimidated to tell my dad I was going out or like introduce him to a boyfriend. It was never like that. And Darren pulled up in his Mustang and he honked the horn. Oh no. And I like, I got up, I jumped up and like, went to not you grab my bag? And he was like, sit down. And like he said it in these like, like it was like a dinosaur, you know, like like where you're like, I cannot move a muscle. I was just like, oh my God, I'm paralyzed. I've been tasered and I can't walk. (laughs) And like he went outside and he didn't say he wasn't rude. And he, he was just like, when you pick a lady up on a date, you come to the door and you knock on the door and you say hello to whoever answers the door. And then you ask, you know, if your date is ready and then she'll come to the door Then you'll open the door and then she'll get into your car and then you all can have your night.
0: We were raised that way too. And my twin sister had a date before me and her, that happened. I remember my dad was like, she did the same thing, got up. And my mom was like, Jim, just please don't embarrass. And he was like, um, give me a second while this boy comes to the door. Yeah. And he just waited. Yeah. He honked again. He like waited again.
1: My sister's like crumbling in the hallway and I'm so embarrassed for her. I'm just like, this is the worst. Well, you know, it's so interesting because we, we talk so much as women now about how, you know, um, you know, this, the, what we're looking for in a partner, like what we're looking for in a relationship and, you know, our relationship starts with our parents. And so our first male relationship starts with our father and, or our brothers. And so it's, um, to me, it, it goes both ways though. So like I was dating guys for a while who, you know, like I was like, oh, the toilet bowl stuffed. And you know, he was like, Well, call a plumber. And I was like, ah, We have to break up now. You can't fix the toilet, you know? And like yeah. and so, and my dad would like joke. And you know, I actually went to my dad for advice on that because this was it was actually Isaiah's dad. And I like we were in a relationship and we were living together and like I loved him. But I had this really like heartache that I was like, But how how can you not do these things in the home? You know what I mean? And that confuses me. Right. And so, um, you know, and not that it like oh men fix toilet bowls and women don't or whatever it is, right. but it was just more like I I had always just that was just the standard in my home that like if something was broken I was able to call on the man in the house to sort of fix my thing, and my dad said to me you know, he gave me like the most sage advice he was just like you know everyone has their um, their strengths Aww. and what and what they bring to the table in a relationship and so antony your standard can't necessarily be like you know, the, the person you fall in love with is because they fix things, you know? He was right. just like, Dwight makes music in ways that I could never do. And he deals in business and, and you, know, de- you know, runs companies in ways that I don't know how to do. And he says, he, so he actually said it to me, he's like, every man has their, you know, their, um, their the thing that makes them them, you know? And he goes, so the standard isn't in me. He was just like, you have to find that standard in every man that you're with. And I was just like, okay, Fred. That is
0: great advice. I love that. I know I actually, every guy I've ever dated has been like, wow, well, I can't live up to your dad, can I? I And I'm like, no, probably not. But a close second isn't bad, right? Yeah. (laughs) But my dad, I always tell my dad, I'm like, you're the man in my life until you're not. I don't know why you don't want to do X, Y, or Z, whatever it is. And he's like... Oh my God, it's a
1: lot of pressure. Well, It's also like really funny now with my dad. So like, and we're, we're together all the time. Like we go and have dinners together and he, he, sh- and what I love so much about him and he, for the record, and I say this a lot, is like he worked all through my childhood. So I saw him very little. Yeah. And, um, but when we did spend time together, it was quality time and, and, qu- you know, not, not quantity. And so, but he would give of himself in conversation and in information and in storytelling that really made me feel super connected to him in ways that Aww. maybe I'd spent time with other family members that like, I'm like, great. I saw you for eight hours, but did we really do anything right and so now my dad came over the other day he's like you know you left uh the garage lights on and I was just like yeah I did I was out here I was on the phone I was I left the garage lights on he goes I think you left them on all night I was like yeah probably it might have happened and he was like um yeah well you know and the the fire pit was on too and I was like you know what's interesting I was like they're my lights it's my my fire pit I can leave them on for days you don't live here yeah I was like I'm 45 and I'm gonna just just that's all I'm going to say and he's like yeah yeah I get it over the okay yeah I get it I get it I get it and he's like I'm just saying you left your lights on I was like appreciate it thank you you left your lights on (laughs)
0: that's so funny do you think you'll ever have another child
1: oh my god I can't believe you just asked me that I'm 45 I haven't had a kid yet. OK, hold on. OK, so you want to hear a crazy story? Yeah. So Amanda Freitag and I are doing Chopped in uh, Knoxville like last month, right? And I was like in Arizona, then I was in Italy, then I was in Knoxville, then I was in Arizona. Like the crazy trip, right? So I was a little beat up. So I get to set and, and Amanda's like, oh my God, one of the producers told me about this like crazy like body healer worker guy. I had work on me last night. And, and Amanda's like how I am, like where I'm just like, oh my god, crazy new massage, crazy new like facial, like let me jump in, I'll do it. Like yeah. I'll spend $18 million on blood pulled out of my arm to have it re-injected into my face and see what happens. Like you know me, like any hot new trend of yes. like self-care and I'm like isolation float tank, done. I deserve that. Uh, yeah. And so I was like weird body worker guy in Knoxville who comes to my room, Done. So he comes to my room, and I'm like in my bathrobe and I've got like you know tank top in my my shorts, and I'm like I you know I don't know how this goes, and he's like setting up his table, and he's putting out um, like it would look like a tarp, and I was like I might be going to be murdered, <laughs> yeah, right right now. this is where I he's die. He's like he's putting coconut oil on the tarp, and I was just like oh my god, this is like a scene out of like Silence of the Lambs, but Amanda lived, and so I feel safe, and so he starts doing this to me. He's like, and I'm like, all right, fine. Hello, and he's like you want more children I was like whoa whoa hold your horses so and I was just like well I did think about it for a while I did think about it for a while I was like maybe who knows right and so um it was really interesting that he just said it to me like he just said it to me but I mean that requires me like dating someone for a long period of time and then like what am I going to be on like tournament of champions all like (laughs) I love that your mind goes to how
0: will I ever continue competing you're the most competitive person I've ever
1: met in my lifetime. Yeah. Or I'm just like on grocery games like, excuse me, I have to use the restroom. Right, <laughs> like, guy, can we cut? I gotta cut? Guy will be like, of course Antonia is pregnant in season 75. <laughs> I
0: really want to just ask you this too. You're just turned
1: 45. Yes. What are you most excited about your life right now? Ooh, okay. I'm really excited about like the flow that's happening right now. You know what I mean? So my friend Logan wrote an entire book, um, which is amazing. Um, and he talks about flow and it's this interesting thing when you're just like, you're taking really good care of yourself and you're, you have this mental clarity. And when you talk to people, you're engaging with them and you know, and then that moves into your work because everyone's like feeding off of this energy that you're bringing into this place because you're like, Vibrating so hard, you know? Right. And it's like, and I'm like, you know, I go and do all my like crazy ice baths and this. And so, like, there's this flow that started to happen with my health, with my mental clarity, with like my emotions, um, and all of these things that it's like kind of paying myself first. And when I started paying myself first in that way, it started to be like, oh my God. So, when I walk into the restaurant, I have this like incredible, like, you know, response with all of the people that I work with. And then there's like energy there. And then all of a sudden, I'll come on a set and be like, now it's here. You know what I mean? you know, you're talking about the flow of your life now and how you're
0: giving to your, you're paying yourself first. And you're doing all this for yourself, so that you can go put it back into the universe, or sure. you know, in your life.
1: Talk to me about this this fitness routine. Well, so what happened about seven years ago is that I actually had fibroids grow inside of me, like really dramatically fast, and like I literally had a seven pound fibroid removed from my uterus. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And so the doctor, and of course, like Western medicine, they were just like, "That's totally normal for a woman your age." And I think I was like 49, uh, 39 at the time. And I, you know, in my mind, I was like, "That's really interesting because I don't believe that things just start." growing in your body. No. And so I, you know, I spoke to a lot of like Eastern medicine doctors and I have a friend, Lindsay Matthews, who's oh, yeah. uh, who's a doula and you know chiropractor and like a fun, you know, really is into a lot of uh, functional medicine. And, um, you know, she talked a lot about inflammation in the body and gut health and the way that we process things. And she's right. Like tumors and fibroids are not, it's not a normal thing for them to grow, especially at that pace. And, you know, especially as far as young as I am.
0: Yeah. That seems and large.
1: It was. Yeah. Like a Cedar cyanide actually, I think still has pictures of it and uses it as a like tool, a teaching tool. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it big. Yeah. You know, that's just you're like, I want to be the example. I'm going to be the example. So <laughs> you're welcome Cedars. And so I kind of went on this like health pilgrimage, which was starting periodically because listen, and like I work in the food industry so I'm constantly eating a ton of food and not always like the best foods and I'm on culinary shows and where I'm judging you know it's like hey by the way we're going to eat 14 dishes of the world's largest burger today right and so it requires a lot of stamina in my digestion which as i got older was harder to do and so i was like if i want to continue down this path i need to really do a lot of things that like combat the things that i do in my life that's like hey by the way your job today is eat to eat cupcakes i literally get paid to eat cupcakes sometimes or donuts or sundays or whatever it is right and so i really took it to its highest like thing so literally (laughs) all my friends make a joke about it now where they're just like, if there's some new cutting edge, something that has to do with health, wellness and fitness, I'm like the first one at the front of the line being like tested on me. And what I've just seen so much, um, Shift in my life, so like the way that I move, the way that I feel, the way that I sleep, and then that goes into the way that I look. So I went into it not with the I really hope that like I lose sure. weight or that I go back to my high school weight or whatever it was. It was just more or less like I've been beating my body up for decades, and like I would work out and I try to eat right, but not necessarily making it a priority. Mm-hmm. And so now it's a priority, which makes me like when people are like oh my god forty five. I was like. Every year has gotten so much better. Like, bring on 46. I can't wait for 47. I don't like, like, the wrinkles that's happening. Or Just like... get
0: bangs. <laughs> that's good. I'm like, I know. I actually have never cared about turning older. 37 there, hit yeah. a little weird, but... Yeah, you can do it. Wait, how old are you? I ju- I'll be 38 in February. Well, whatever. But it's not... I've always liked it. I remember my aunt, when I was in my 20s, every time I called her to be like, oh, this boy, or like this job, or whatever, she'd be like... It's your twenties. Just wait till your thirties. Oh wait my god! Let
1: me tell you, my dad walks in this house sometimes. You know, my friend Lacy's staying with me, and like, you know, we'll be like complaining about something, and he's just like the seventy-two-year-old man that just like knows that none of it matters. Yeah, Do he's you know like, me? please, and so like he'll walk in and just be like, "You guys are fine. Yeah, just relax. You know what I mean?" And so that's that's always like a nice, like calming presence where I'm just like, we start freaking out about all these things. He's like, guys, you're in the prime of your life right now. <laughs> my dad he's from Long Island you're, you're in, such a daddy's you're girl. in the prime of you you don't even know you're in the prime of your life right now enjoy it enjoy it
0: tell me what are you still striving for then like is there anything else that you are you like totally content in what comes comes or is there still things that you're like I gotta get there
1: no I think you know I could just go with the flow like you know I want to write another book that's gonna come I want to do like more television that's gonna come like you know do I write I write down more like my personal goals like I want my house paid off by this time I want to buy another piece of property in Italy do you know what I mean I want to see this for Zaya like I write those things out but career wise I really go with like my intuition you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and and I'm always working as hard like as hard as I possibly can oh I know and so that that's always I don't have to say it because it's always just a given yeah I've also been doing this for like you know 25 years and so mm-hmm. i know and so it like that part you know is easy so now it's just like be in it be in it enjoy it work hard you know what i mean like just do the thing there was that uh that video that went around that this guy who's giving a speech and he was just like surround yourself with people that that their eyes light up when you walk into a room he was just like know that like like hit me hard he's like surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when you walk into the room he was just like Uh, Slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to go. And then he said, um, and just know that, um, you know, the top, uh, the bottom of one mountain is the start of another. You know what I mean? So it's like, once you get to the mountain, it doesn't matter. You're going to come back down, it starts all over again. Like, it just never stops.
0: I love that. I saw you posted that. Yeah, and it was like a
1: real, you know what I mean? And the the idea of slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. It's like, I say it all the time, like, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So I obviously
0: could talk to you all day. I know. And I have so
1: much more to say. And ask and like uncover and the but weird part is too Like we spend so much time together I know That I don't understand how We don't know all the stories
0: Because honestly This is why I started the podcast I literally said I'm like I talk to these Incredible chefs all the time Yeah and it's about like what they made on the show, but or I feel like just like I
1: talk to you more than that. Just but like. even then, it's yeah, like it's very like enough. in yeah. and out of like yeah, something, yeah, yeah,
0: you know. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. there's so much to ask somebody, yeah. and I just want to ask. So I will let you go, but that okay. yeah, just means you have to come back on the pod because there's always more yes. to like learn about Antonia. But before I let you go, yes, we're gonna do a quick fire
1: five. What would you do if you weren't a chef? I'd be a UFC fighter. Oh, that was quick. Yeah, I already have it locked in. Last meal before you die. Um. Oh, for sure, like bread and butter uh like spaghetti black pepper pecorino and like like uh a cannoli for sure so you're
0: going like carb-free
1: yeah so I'm <laughs> going like keto <laughs> okay and then favorite city to eat your way through honestly right now New Orleans like has been my favorite city to It's to my, my favorite yeah, yeah, city yeah, I yeah. love it favorite cocktail wine or drink Ooh, right now as a Campari spritz with a little shot of gin you're welcome oh you heard <laughs> it here folks okay any tattoos Zero. But I like to date men that got them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who are you loving locally? Like what chefs, restaurants, if someone was here
1: and they wanted to go somewhere like to your local place, where would you want to send them? I mean, I go to all like the, I mean, for me, like Parks Barbecue is like still my, like when I want to go there. I go to La which is like, uh, you know, like beautiful Chinese mm. dim sum in Alhambra. But then I'll go like, I've been like, I've eaten at Ludo's Petit Trois in the valley like six times this month. And I, but I haven't had it in like two years. And yeah. Every time I go there, I was like, I'll have a glass of Chablis. And like, And so like, yeah. So it like really just depends. I mean, for me, it's like, those are like the staples. Oh my gosh, I love yeah. it.
0: Okay, well, I love you so much. Thank you for you're doing so this. you welcome. just made Table 5 a reality, which
1: is yeah. so exciting. You're my favorite, Lindsay Latrell. Oh my gosh, you're my favorite.
0: <laughs> Isn't she the best? I just love her. I hope y'all enjoyed my conversation with Antonia. I could have talked to her for hours. She's so fun. You can see Antonia on guys, grocery games, Alex vs. America and tournament of champions and follow her across all social media platforms at chef Antonia. So you heard me talking about how much I love Antonia's restaurants. So obviously if you were in LA or plan to visit, they are a must scopa Dama and black market. I think it goes without saying how much I love exploring restaurants. So I figured this could be a really great space to share where I'm loving if you're interested. It's hard for me to pick just one, but I have been crushing on Birdie G's since it opened. It's in Santa Monica. It's comfort food. They use seasonal ingredients and almost everything is made in house. On my most recent visits, I've had great conversations and experiences with their Psalm Chloe. She really hit the nail on the head when it came to what we were looking for in a bottle And if you know me, you know that can be a serious make-or-break situation. So if you go, may I be so bold to recommend the lamb? I dream about this lamb. It is made with Persian spices and cooked perfectly. It is one of the dreamiest dishes I've had in a very long time. In the last three times I've gone, I have gotten that dish. That tells you anything. I'm a huge proponent of table fries, so that should definitely not be missed even here because they have an incredible aioli as well. And promise me, please, 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 if you go to Birdie G's, I beg of you, do not leave without getting the Empress Date Bunt Cake with Caramel. Truly a game changer when it comes to desserts. Melt in your mouth, salty where it needs to be, sweet where it needs to be. Literally a life-changing dessert for me. And I know all those people who like, I'd rather end on the savory. I'm not a sweet person. I don't need dessert. And I know it's the new year. Do not not get this cake. It is so good. And you will thank me later. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and download Table 5 to never miss an episode and to follow at Table, the number five pod. That's Table 5 Pod on Instagram to always stay in the loop.